From Dublin to Cleveland Production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. I am Bad Hair Logan, joined by <laughs> Brendan Thomas Merritt. How's it going, Brendan? How are you? Uh, it's going better haired than you, thanks. <laughs> How's tricks? <laughs> tricks are good. Uh, they're a lovely cereal. I really like them. <laughs> Never heard of them. <laughs> they're just a candy cereal uh fruity vegetables uh anyway um fruity vegetables for breakfast yeah oh fruity, fruity vegetable fruit fruits uh cereal so it's like banana and i don't know you think of a breakfast fruit it's in there fake fake <laughs> well anyway yeah, enough about tricks work. um brendan what do you have for us today on the podcast Ooh, today i have a promotional advertisement lads if like me you were once shopping in your local aldi and you found a marvel puzzle back you thought marvel could possibly redeem itself with 1000 jigsaw pieces and you thought, yeah, sure, awesome, I'm still going to spend time on that. And you still haven't even finished one of the four puzzles within the box. Get your act together. Seriously, cut yourselves on. It's time to join the Wongo family. Wongo uh, puzzles are 100% wooden. All the pieces in the Wongo puzzle are hand-painted, so they are original. Um, some can look like fantasy creatures, or they can look like animals and miscellaneous objects. Um, because they're wooden, they last forever. And because they're hand-drawn, no two pieces are the same. So, uh, there's always... There's a Can I start again? <laughs> there's always an element of whimsy when you are putting them together. They come in a custom wooden box... Uh, which is great for storing them and also for gifting them to your family, friends, and loved ones. Um, some of my all-time favorite Wongo puzzles include the snow globe, um, but also the... Oh, let's see, which is one that I really like. Ooh. All the animal-shaped ones are class. Yeah. They're just, they're just beautiful. Just so original and so unique. But yeah, the snow globe one is actually really, really impressive. So what are you waiting for, friends? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And if you want to get 10% off, use our promo code, which is from Dublin to Cleveland. And again, that gets you 10% off. So go to wongo.com and use from Dublin to Cleveland, our promo code, get 10% off. When you help our sponsor, you also help us directly. So what are you waiting for? Put those 1,000 jigsaw pieces away. You're never going to use them. Life's too short of that nonsense. Get yourself the one go puzzle today instead. <laughs> All right, guys. Now that that's out of the way, um, we do hope you've been enjoying the last few episodes of the show. And if you have, we'd love to hear about it. 
Either send us a message at the bottom of the YouTube version of the video, or send us an email to from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com. For the next section of the podcast, um, I'm going to share with you an Irish story. Um, oh, beautiful music in the background. I like that. Nice touch. <laughs> Don't you guys think that the quality of our show has gone up since we began having music in the background? Alright, so once upon a time, I should hope so, <laughs> considering you're the musician, you play the button. <laughs> Pushing buttons is a very important job in this economy, you know? You should get paid for this. We have to afford a better haircut. Ah, shots fired! <laughs> nah, I love seeing more of your beautiful round head. It's uh, the way the Lord made you, apparently. Alright, so in Ireland we have a very ancient historical site that you've heard me mention a lot on this show. Especially whenever someone talks about how amazing Stonehenge in England is, or the Pyramids of Giza in Egypt. In Irish, it's called Brunabonia, but in English we call it New Grange. It's a phenomenal piece of Stone Age architecture. Uh, some people speculate that it may actually be Ireland's version of the Tower of Babel. That uh, maybe Noah's descendants came here and um, maybe took their Nimrod-like notions with them. Um, so in our story, a uh, lapdog came along an area called the Brug, which is their new grange. Um, but that dog was also a woman. Now I know today you can't call a woman a dog which gets seriously offended. But this is an Irish story, just roll with it. Her name, <laughs> well she had lots of names. Um, Bowen was one. That's what I'm really gonna call her today most often. Etchna was another. Um, Etlu was another one. Um, Boan, Boand. She had lots of names. I'm gonna call her Bowen, it's what most people call her. She was an illuminated cow goddess in the story. She's actually related to the Milky Way in uh, the Irish language. She was married to a man called Nectane, uh, who also happened to be her brother. <laughs> Some of you were like, what kind of show is this? Still a Christian channel, people. It's an old Irish story. Just roll with it. It'll make sense at the end. So she was basically married to her brother, okay? His name was Nectane. He had a mystical well. Um, and he and his um, male priests used to walk around three times clockwise. And one day he was off hunting, and Bowen was. Um, how do I put this? Acquainted, shall we say, with the leader of the Tuatha Dé Danann. In Irish mythology, they're the gods of Ireland. And their leader is the sun god of Irish mythology. He's called the Dagda. But he's also the devil of Irish mythology. He's also a uh, Gudunna. So the, he's one guy, but he's got two major personalities. He's the all great hero. He's also evil incarnate. So he came to her in his sun god, 
And he said, hey, good looking. And she said, oh, you just want good sir. And he said, no husband, eh? Flashed yeah. a smile. Well, adultery ensued. They were Flanders. Very, very cheeky. Very naughty behavior. Not very Christian-like. She got pregnant as a result of this affair. The Dagda did not want to be embarrassed. He actually had a wife who was a crow. That's a whole thing. We'll come back to that maybe at Halloween. <laughs> so he didn't want to risk interdimensional embarrassment for his shenanigans. So he decided to turn off the lights over Ireland. And a nine-month-long night fell on the entire country. So basically, Bowen was pregnant, you know, the baby grew in, in, her, in, in, her, in her womb. She propped the baby, and the dad did turn the lights back on. So Nectane, her brother husband, returned, and he was like, Oh my goodness, wife, I was only away for one day, and uh, you just had a baby. Because remember, the, the lights have been turned off, so although it was a nine-month period, to him it felt like he'd only been gone a day. He just got a little bit confused. You know, like how you get jet lag when you go on an airplane? It's like that, only the nine-month-long version. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get used to those virus stories after a while. Yeah. So she called her son Angus Og. Og means young, and um, so young Angus. And he would grow up to become the king of Newgrange. Bowen was very ashamed of herself in one version of the story, um, and so she went to Nectane's well in the hope of getting cleansed. But although his servants had always walked around the well three times in a clockwise direction, she accidentally walked around it anti-clockwise three times. There's another version of the story that says she had felt no shame whatsoever, so she went to the well and to show how arrogant she was in her hubris, she walked around it three times anti-clockwise. It's one of them. Different people say it different ways. Um, but the well did not appreciate um, her breaking with tradition and conformity. And all of a sudden, from the well, shot a huge river. Um, we have a triad of books in Ireland. One is called the Yellow Book of Lincoln. Another is called the Book of Ballymore. And the other one is called the Book of Humania. And they talk about three um, very important rivers in Ireland. One is the Shannon, one is the River Ban, and one is the River Boyne. Boyne is Bonia, anglicized, basically. So this river, which we now call Boyne, that's named after her, shot about the well, created one of the most important rivers in Ireland, historically. Uh, with our relationship with the Vikings, England, etc. But it absolutely disfigured her to Kingdom Come. She lost an eye, she lost limbs, totally wrecked the woman. And it became this mighty, powerful river in my county, Loud, where I live, 
and also Mead next door to me. So with Newgrange, on the winter solstice, the little window just above the door, on the winter solstice, the 21st of December, the shortest day of the year here, as the sun rises in the sky, it, the light shines right through the window above the door and lights up the entire chamber. So the entire building is basically a calendar. It signified when Earth had gone around the sun um, over a 365-day period. Uh, and all around it are geometrically abstract and accurate triskelions, interlocking spirals and trees. I'm actually wearing one around my neck right now, actually. You may or may not be able to see it. Um, the YouTube version, I think I'll, I'll right, zoom in. People have different ideas of what the Triskelion represents. Some people think it represents the Dagda, the sun god, Bowen, the woman, and Angus Og, the son that they conceived from their shenanigans. But also some people say it represents the sun, which would rise, obviously, on the 21st of December. That's the Dagda, the sun god. The river Boyne, which is behind the monument, and Bonia is Boyne. And the third one represents Newgrange itself, and Angus Og was the king of Newgrange. So it represents the father, son, the child, but also the sun, and the sky, river, and Newgrange itself. It's remarkably well preserved. Um, but back in the past, it would have been covered in limestone. So you would have had the white light of the sun, the white light of the building, and the white light of the um, river at sunrise. And some historians were excavating the place just a small handful of years ago, and they can conclusively confirm that the king and queen of Newgrange were, indeed, like in the story, brother and sister with their way of keeping the power uh, structure in the family. Um, similar to how, you know, uh, the ancient Egyptians and other cultures would do the same thing. And uh, all over the plain, we've got lots of lozenges, diamonds, and also triangular shapes, which is the universal image for water, which would be Bonia, the Rebine. So, uh, yeah, um, in short, and in summary, the only thing that the Irish like least than people invading us, and people just love invading us for some reason, uh, is adultery. So yeah, try to commit adultery and uh, a river is gonna shit out a well and drown you. <laughs> Here end it tomorrow lesson. You thought you were all in for a story. This was a parable, people. On the <laughs> level with... I'm gonna say Jesus's, that might be a little bit heretical. It was a parable. Don't be an adult and don't do drugs. Over to you, Broski. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're going to do a new topic. We've got new um, questions. Now, we're not going to call it the tell-all series. We've finalized <laughs> that. It's over. It's finished. We're going to call this the hot seat. Alright? 
So uh, we've got hot seat questions. <laughs> There's a lot of them. 442, <laughs> in fact. We probably won't do all of them because there are some that might be too spicy for the show. But we're going to see how it goes. So I'm going to uh, hit some music here and then I will ask the first question. All right. What uh, was the your most recent random act of kindness, Brendan? Oh, it happened not very many hours ago, actually. I was listening to... Listening? I wasn't listening to anything. <laughs> I heard the music and just said listening. I watched my brother's garlic bread for him in the oven so it wouldn't burn. Oh. Good for you. Yeah. Is that though? He enjoyed it. Didn't offer Can't me a slice. But it smelled great. He should have if you saved it. I've always for garlic. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know. I don't have something that nice since it's hard to uh, encounter people other than your family when you don't have a secular job. Um, I would probably say it would be a gift that I'm getting for a certain someone on this podcast. Uh, I'm sending it to him shortly, hopefully, as long as Donald. the... As long as the Donald and the Ireland allow me to send it. <laughs> so we shall see. But yes, that, that would be Ooh. the most recent. Uh, all right. Intrigued. What, number two? Uh, so by the time this comes out, he'll hopefully have had it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number two, what is one of your favorite family traditions? Oh, from my mother's birthday? We like to have a big barbecue. So basically we invite all the familia. For those who don't speak German, that's uh, all the family, all the extended relations. And basically like half the, the neighbors. <laughs> and we just have a super special, awesome, mega big barbecue. Uh, we did in 2020 actually, back when people were legally not allowed to leave the houses. And um, it went on for a week. We were the, the real light uh, across the nation who were like, you know, we'll accept all the misfits, all the, the unlovables. Come to us, we'll let you in our door. Um, so yeah, great fun. So here's hoping the weather uh, really picks up and uh, stays hot so we can do it again this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think my favorite tradition uh, probably is either Thanksgiving with my family um, because we have really good food with uh, a turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and watch football and play board games and do a bunch of fun stuff. Um, it's either that or every Sunday night we go over to my grandparents' house and play board games and uh, eat popcorn and ice cream uh, because it is a staple in the Howard family that every Sunday night you eat popcorn and you eat ice cream and you don't have any dinner because you ate popcorn and ice cream. So you cut off your dinner with having good treat food. So that's probably my one of those two. Is the my calories favorite. don't count if it's family tradition. And it's a Sunday, so calories don't count either. They don't start till Monday. <laughs> All right. It's somewhere uh, in the Bible. <laughs> what, Brendan, was your first job? What was the first job you ever had? Oh, uh, <laughs> does empathetic to say I've only ever been a teacher? <laughs> and a writer, I suppose. Um, 
the other thing I ever got paid to do, and properly, was uh, teaching. So I taught children, uh, teenagers, and tiny humans in a Christian school here in my county. It was the very first um, school of its kind here in Ireland. Um, some of the Americans listening may possibly have heard of this. The PACE curriculum. Uh, don't ask what it stands for. It's been <laughs> six or seven years. I forgot what it stands for. It stood for something. Um, but basically, um, the children and would learn at their own pace, their own level. Um, and uh, yeah, it was... Um, it was a beautiful introduction to the world of work, actually, before working, you know, with the, all, all, all the unsaved, getting thrown in the lion's den. It was nice to kind of wean myself into um, a more faith-friendly and faith-building culture. Yeah. Um, my first job depends on how you calculate jobs. I did have a mm. job in uh, junior high and high school, stuffing the bulletin for our church. Uh, so I was paid for that. I was paid like five or six bucks a week um, to just stuff 200 or 300 bulletins and you know send them on their way. So the sermons and notes or whatever were in it and got paid for that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, my sister eventually took over for me as I got older. Um, and, uh, my first like paid by a company, you know, needing a checking account, that kind of thing, um, was working at a grocery store, uh, which I've talked about on this podcast in the past. Um, a lot of good moments, a lot of sad moments, a lot of annoying moments, um, all on the same day sometimes, but <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it was quite an experience. And I think it's an experience that a lot of people who've never worked in retail should probably work in retail because then they'll understand how to treat other people who actually work there instead of treating them terribly. Um, but I, I digress. Uh, all right. What, when, what is the scariest or riskiest thing that you've ever done, Brendan? Um... I might change my answer after I've said it, but I remember being at school once and seeing one guy beating up a friend of mine. He was a kind of friend, um, an outer circle friend. And lots of people were crowding around, cheering the absolute pounding um, of uh, my outer circle friend. And I just felt like an absolute superhero. And I said, not on my watch, bucko. So I jumped in. And uh, I knew that I would have gotten suspended if I'd intervened violently, even though I probably had a brown belt and karate at that point. Um, but uh, as peacefully and sternly as I could, yeah, I, I wrapped that nonsense up in about 10 seconds. Nice. And then all the girls were messaging me earlier telling me how amazing it was and how they were like, you know, so blown away. But I was too shy to be like, Would you like my number? Would you like to go on a date with me in real life superhero? But uh no, it was it was a really good feeling to know that um you know when you're in that situation to know you actually yeah. can and will step up and not yeah. let um people get hurt on your turf. Hmm. Yeah. Uh I think on my end I usually try to avoid 
scary or risky situations, especially when it comes to life or death things. Um, but I do think one of the more scarier things was this past season of my life of going without having a job. Because mm. when you go without a job, you kind of are at the whims of other people and them having to pay for things or do things. And um, it's a bit of a scary thing. And then you're not always sure if you have enough money to pay for things or whatnot. Um, and all of it was, you know, trusting that God needed me and wanted me to work at camp in the future and was opening doors for that. Um, so as, you know, as far back as like November, I wasn't sure what my future really held. It wasn't accounting and camp was fun last summer, but who knows if it was happening again and, uh, mm -hmm. or if I was going to be able to go back again. And then God opened this door to work at a camp in New York, which I'll be going to in August after going to, uh, going back to Patmos, uh, going to be on the island, which hopefully we'll have some live from Patmos Logan recordings uh, with Brendan. Hopefully we'll try to work that out. Uh, uh, but definitely that has, that was a big scary and a risk of basically trusting God to take care of stuff that, um, and take care of all the needs that I needed without really knowing what was going to happen. So it yeah, was pretty wow. scary, but once you're, when you're in the hands of the living God, you know, you can trust him. Um, Amen. Amen. All right. Next question. What is your guilty pleasure, Brendan? I don't really do things that make me feel guilty all that often, but I think the one which people would probably <laughs> say I should feel guilty for would be what I like to advertise at least once per episode. My wife hot memes. Some people just don't appreciate is having a sense of humor. But listen, don't we all need a good old belly laugh at this point in our lives? Uh, when everyone and everything out there seemingly, seemingly wants you to be like, you know, pill-popping and anxiety-ridden and all this nonsense, there's nothing wrong with having a giggle. And, uh, you know what? Jesus was full of joy. <laughs> it was fun to be around. I was at all the parties, lots of friends. People would not have been around him if they thought he was a bore. Hello. So, uh, yeah. I, I think my memes are absolutely hilarious. But uh, some people probably look at them and just think that I should feel, like, ashamed. But I don't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so... I would say it has it's either board gaming um, or it's watching YouTube videos because I feel like in uh, there are elements of those that I do feel guilty about that I spend so much time doing them. Um, board mm. games a little so because I'm pretty good with making sure the games that I have are games that I'll actually play. Um, there are some people who just have okay. like half of their collection they've never played before, but they thought it was a cool game one time. I try to play the game. If I don't like the game, I get rid of it. Um, but with YouTube videos, I try to limit how much I watch, and I think it'll go it'll go down drastically when you get to the summer and I'm away at camp. But when you have time on your hands, you kind of just spend time doing that, and maybe doing other things would be better. So that's mm -hmm. probably 
probably one of those two answers. Um, okay, what is an assumption that people make about you? <sighs> oh, golly. Over the years, I would have said very different things. At the moment, I might phrase this in incorrectly. If you, you've ever taken an ocean, feel free to share what you think it would be. I say something might think I'm difficult. <laughs> and yeah, maybe like they, 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 they follow my, my social media posts and just think, how could you possibly have a conversation with this guy? He's just going to turn you into a meme. Or... <laughs> yeah. Probably right. I can see people <laughs> saying that. <laughs> or I don't tolerate nonsense. Like if I'm, if I'm at worker or an event or a part of an organization or something and someone at the helm just spews absolute tripe i am so absolutely past the point of being a one-dimensional bland smiler everything here is fine it's not fine you're an idiot you're a sap you're wasting time wasting resources Everything you're saying makes no sense, and you're just losing respect, people's respect. And I think some people like a guy with integrity, who's upright, who's sensible, who's wise, who cares about resources, uh. um, who doesn't compromise. But I think it threatens some people. It does. I think yeah. some people are happy to be apathetic, or just like, you know, like almost like doggish um, in, in, in their nodding gestures mm. and, and just how closed-mouthed they are. And I think seeing some of their personality or spunk intimidates them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, I think... <laughs> well, I've had people say this about me. Okay. Uh, that, I have a critical, that I have a critical spirit. <laughs> Oh, I know who said that about you, yeah. And I'm just a critical person. Um, yeah, but he didn't know what he was saying. That was a wrongful assumption, for sure. I can be... I would say... Um, I think through things a lot. And I seek out... I'm very detail-oriented. And so, the way people phrase things, the way people say things, I hmm. do question. And so I can see where somebody might, you know, assume that that's being overly critical when in reality it's not a critical thing it's more of a um a trying to find wisdom for that situation so mm. uh, it is a it's a generalization of something that is true about me so yeah i think that yeah i think that individual misunderstood challenge for criticism mm. um you can extend someone a healthy challenge to explain themselves to validate their opinions or the likes especially if there isn't a lot of trust in their decision making yeah um but if you automatically go into you're criticizing me mode and then you criticize the person through the lens of how you perceive them to have spoken to you whether or not it was true that's a you problem not mm. a damn problem. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. In your opinion, what is one of the best qualities in a person? Oh, wow. 
Ah, jeepers. I was thinking about this the weekend, actually. I narrowed it down to... Three. <laughs> and out of the moments here, I forget what my three were. I told myself these will be my, you know, non-negotiables for dating. Um, one is obviously being Christ-centered. Um, <laughs> I hope to come back to me as I start speaking. Um, Holy Spirit looks great in a woman, you know? Mm. Um, and even as, as, as guys, too. Someone yeah. who, who has got Holy Spirit, and who, who loves Jesus, it's, it's a super quality. Yeah. Um, I also like a certain element of independence in a person too, and that's something I also hold to my myself too. Um, being able to take the initiative, be able to make decisions, stand by them. Um, but also I think boldness and humility go hand in hand with each other too. And um, the boldness falls under the independent not someone who's like i don't need anybody that's like cop yourself on yeah um but independence enough that they're not going to like you know wither away and die <laughs> if they're like, you know left their own devices for five minutes um but humble enough to know that they, they they don't know at all there are times when we need each other we need other people and uh in your own faith walk you need both be humble before your God, but to walk boldly in the faith he's entrusted to you. Yeah. Um, the part of being humble is being teachable as well. Saying, you know what, I don't know it all. I do see as though through a glass darkly. There is always more to learn. There is always more to know. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes other people, okay, they might not have a the answer 100%, but there might still be things I can glean from them. They're all great qualities yeah. that I try to um, instill and work at my own life. And that impressed me very much when I see them in others. Yeah. I know that's not just one thing. Christ-like has to no, be the number one. It does, but, uh, yeah. They're all offshoots of that. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, no, I, I agree with your point. You, you need to be Holy Spirit-led or Christ-centered, um, that your focus is on Jesus Christ first and foremost. Mm. Um, completely agree with that. That's something that you admire. I admire in people when you find it, and you know, today, today's day and age is sometimes rare to find. But when you do, uh, it's it's an encouraging, mm -hmm. refreshing thing. Um, I think outside of those, I think the two big ones for me is honesty. Um, mm -hmm. Number one, because you need people who will be honest with you, even if it's not stuff that you necessarily want to hear. You do need people who will say what's true. Um, so some honesty and people who are passionate about what God's wow. doing in their life or where they're going in life. Um, mm. Because there's so many people these days and age who you say, oh, how you doing? I'm just living, man, living the good life or just, mm. just hanging or just chilling. And I want people who are passionate about what they're doing and what they're thinking about, what's going on in their life, and passionate about what God's doing. Um, mm. And finding those kind of people are, again, refreshing because they genuinely care about what's going on in their life and what's going on in other people's lives because they have a passion for what they're doing. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, combine that with honesty, which is good because then they're they're not telling you fake stuff or being passionate mm. for passionate sake and then putting that with you know the holy spirit is also important um 
because it ties all that together and makes it true and good. Because, you know, honest people who are honest at least will tell the truth when they make mistakes. And so we all make mistakes. If you can get to the point of saying, you know, I messed up or I did wrong on this, that's pretty helpful too. So I think that's, uh, those are my three qualities I think uh, make somebody a really good person. Um, someone you can work with, deal with, and get along with well. Um, but with that, I'll turn it over to Brendan and we'll get into our uh, Bible passage. So take it away, Brendan. Awesome. Okay, guys, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16, 13 to 16, Jesus had been operating uh, in the same qualities that Logan and I have just mentioned, and it made such a great impression that everybody who met him was talking about him. So, um, Matthew sixteen thirteen says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he questioned his disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, with John the Baptist, you know, I suppose it makes sense. They, they had been running around simultaneously at one point. Uh, perhaps not everybody knew that poor John had been thrown in prison and beheaded. And <laughs> <laughs> um, some people may have just gotten them confused. They may have just heard the prophet and said, oh, maybe one is the other. Um, Elijah, and there was a prophecy in the Old Testament saying that Elijah would return. Um, now Jesus said that Elijah was basically a metaphor at the time for John the Baptist. Their ministries were very similar in terms of rebuking kings and queens. But um, many people may believe that the real Elijah will actually come back as one of the two witnesses in Revelation at some point in the future. And as for Jeremiah and the other prophets, couldn't tell you how they tried swinging that one. <laughs> but the area of Caesarea Philippi that's very, very important. Caesarea Philippi had a cave. And in that cave, a god called Pan was worshipped. Pan um, being a, a demon, basically. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the image and, and some of the symbols associated with Peter Pan and the Walt Disney version actually are affiliated with Pan. And pan is also how we get the word pandemic. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are a lot of um, very intelligent people, far more clever than I am, who draw all sorts of links between demons worshipped in the time of the Bible and uh, how certain individuals in the world stage are um, trying to marry those ideas in the 21st century for evil, evil ends. But uh, I'll leave that to your own research. But when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, this is the context he stepped into. This was a dark place spiritually. Sometimes you picture the Bible stories taking place with a perfectly blue sky, a sandy beach, and maybe a palm tree in the background. 
<laughs> we don't always think about there being a cave in the background with like, a statue of a demonic god on top of it. And, uh, you know, like his worshippers getting up to all sorts of wicked, perverted, deviant shenanigans. But while all that's taking place, Jesus turns to his followers and he's like, okay. They think they know who their God is. They think they know this, they think they know that. But who do you think I am? What's your opinion of me? I love Peter's boldness. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon Peter gets a hard rap in the body of Christ these days. People just love picking on Peter. Um, I think people's favorite lines about him are, you know, get behind me, Satan. And, you know, he saw the winds and waves and sank. <laughs> People just forget that he also walked on water. He got out of the boat. Um, yes, he messed up just like we all do. But his faith was on another level. And that revelation really and truly was a gift of God. So in your own lives, friends, if maybe you've slipped into the thinking that Jesus is just, you know, your older brother who lives in heaven. And yeah, okay, you know, we're all sons of God, there's an element, but he's not just that. <sighs> or sometimes we think, oh, you know, he's so happy, he's always smiling at me, he loves everything I do. No, he loves you no matter what you do. He hates sin. Mm. He hates evil. Passionately. <laughs> he doesn't tolerate nonsense or wickedness. He despises it. Mm -hmm. God the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are of one accord in all things. They've never once in all eternity disagreed with each other. Nope. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, you've slipped into thinking, oh, you know, um, Jesus is, is, is one of the Godhead, but, you know, I shouldn't really be focusing on him. I'll focus on maybe his mother Mary or other people who followed him over the years. All the other saints. No. It's time to align your eyes. With Christ. Put, yeah. put your eyes back on him. Align your focus. With his focus. Um, thank God for his servants. For wonderful people. Who uh, spent their lives. Investing. In his kingdom. Or in his church. In his vision. But even their eyes were always on Jesus. And in heaven. Everybody loves Jesus. Yeah. So whether you've just gone distracted or apathetic, maybe lackadaisical, um, or maybe you think you hear that Jesus is the light of the world, and you think it's like a very condemning light, like you're in um, a Garda station, or in other countries, a police officer's station, yes. and it's that, you know, terrifying light down the interrogation room. No. It's a healing light. It's a light to heal you, to restore you. And yeah, sometimes there's an exposure first, but it's a healing light. It's there to clean you up, to get you sorted, to be all he wants you to be, so you can run your race unshackled well and achieve the destiny he has for you. So who is Jesus to you today? And the answer has to be, he's your Lord. Yeah. He's your God. Yeah. He's the love of your life. He's your number one. And if any of your answers perhaps fall short of that very high standard, I beseech you to come back to your first love. 
to recommit to him that he's number one. Yeah. Um, okay, Roski, when you read these few verses, what comes to your mind? Please encourage God's kids. Yeah. No, I, I think you you got the main gist of exactly what you're saying here about how um, we need to figure out who we say that Jesus is and what he is in our hearts. Um, I do really like verse 17, and I think it gives uh, a good you know, conclusion to what we've been talking about. And it says that mm-hmm. blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You're not going to find who Jesus is by reading some other book about Jesus, you know, you know, some random book that just says, oh, Jesus was a great prophet. You're not going to get it by reading, you know, a Muslim book about Jesus. You're not going to get it by reading a Mormon book about Jesus. You're not going to get it mm-hmm. by watching some random, you know, random show about who Jesus could have been or, oh, was Jesus actually alive? You're not going to find who Jesus actually is without reading his word and without his, without God's enlightening your eyes to see who he truly is. And so that is something that I think we all need to be praying is show us who you truly are, Lord, because we can create these little mini versions of Jesus. Who's our little, uh, our little friend and we put him in our back pocket and he stays there and he just goes with us throughout the day. And, you know, as the old little children saying, you pull him out and, and put him back again. You know, we just put him away. We don't actually live with him <laughs> and have him as a part of our life. Um, or, uh, you know, there's some, some, some people who like to uh, use the analogy where Jesus is, you just, we, we put him in our car. And so he's in our trunk of our car. And we just leave him in the trunk. And then we open up and we're like, hey, Sunday, get out here. Come on, Jesus, let's go. So then we go into church and we're like, oh, that's for having so great. You're going back in the trunk when we're back, when we get back to the car. And so we get back to the car and we're get in the trunk and we lock them back in there till next Sunday. Some people do that. Some people only let Jesus, Poor Jesus. Some people is if your car is your life, they put them in the back seat where Jesus is in the back seat. You're not driving this car. I'm in charge of this, driving this car. I'm in charge of where my life's going to go. And you know, I'm going to go where I want to go and you're not in charge of my life. Uh, and then other people like to, you know, put Jesus in, He's in charge of the steering wheel, but they grumble the whole time through. Uh, they're the backseat drivers who just go, I don't want to give money to the church. Jesus goes, mm, we're going to take this path down the road of generosity. I don't want to give to the church. I don't want to love other people. I don't want to give up my time. And so they complain the whole time about what Jesus's path and what he's doing because they don't really want to follow Christ's plan, but he keeps making them and putting them in situations too. <laughs> um, but what we're supposed to be is we're supposed to put him in control of our lives, sit in the back seat, and let him take us where he needs to take us. Not in a way that's flippant, that we don't really care what's going on, but in a way that we genuinely care about those around mm-hmm. us, those he's working on our lives. And we just follow his lead. We follow his word. We follow where he leads us to go, what he leads us to do, um, who he leads us to talk to, 
and we listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit that lives inside. We let that be the voice that we listen to, not the voice that says we're trash, we're terrible, we're this, we're that, we're ter- we're the most nastiest creation. We don't listen to that voice anymore. The thing that rattles in our head that tells us lies about what other people think about us or what other things are going on. We listen to Christ's voice that's inside that he's, we get once we receive him. Um, and it only can come from, from the Father. It can't be revealed to us by something other people say. It has to be God working in our hearts through what other people say for us to come mm. to know him. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully uh, you can maybe say that prayer if you feel like you're pretty far from God right now. And say, Lord, open my eyes. Open me and show me who you are, mm. who Jesus is. And he is willing and faithful to do that for you. Um, so right. I'll turn it over to Brendan, uh, anything you want to add and then we'll head off on our way, uh, on this day. Go ahead, Brendan. I mean, that's a, a beautiful prayer actually. And I'm going to repeat that again, just because, uh, that could really change someone's life. Father God, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for who you are. And if in any respect, we don't know who you are, show us who you are in a way that is clear and understandable to all of us on an individual level. And show us who Jesus is in a way that is clear and understandable on an individual level, on a one-to-one basis. And show who Holy Spirit is in a way that's clear and understandable, in a way that's unique to every person under the sound of my voice. That they would come to know you, to know your love, to know your operations, to know what to do, and to know and trust that you are a God who, even if trust is hard for us, we can trust. Even if love is hard for us, that we can love. Even if intimacy is hard for us, that you're a safe place, that you are the safest place we'd ever be in your hand, in your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Well, hopefully you have a lovely week this week. We'll see you next week, friends. Uh, hope uh, Next week we'll be from live on the set of Camp Patmos. So it might be a scenic background. It might be just a random room. Who knows? Logan will figure it out. All right. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Bye, friends. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>